Build a Big Podcast. David Hooper here. Or as this guy says, podcast marketing expert, David Hooper. (laughs) I don't think I'm ever going to get tired of that. More from that guy coming soon. For now, let's talk about PodFest. I've been back a couple of weeks from PodFest. It happens every March in Orlando. This was the third one that I attended. A side note, I've been to Podcast Movement three times as well. These are the two largest podcasting conferences in the country. And one of the most common questions I get about them is, what is the difference between PodFest and Podcast Movement? PodFest, the one I just got back from, always in Orlando, it is a bit looser, and I mean that in a good way, than Podcast Movement. And I think because it is looser, it has more of an ear to the ground, definitely more for independent podcasters. Podcast Movement, it started out pretty loose. It started out as a crowdfunding campaign, a Kickstarter, but it has continued to get more and more corporate focused. It reminds me of a newspaper we have in Nashville called Nashville Scene. You may have one, Village Voice is owned by the same company, Memphis Flyer. They used to call them alternative weeklies. And if you went back 20 or 30 years ago and you were to look at these papers, you would see more of an edge to them than what you see now. They are now more corporate focused. A lot of them are full color. The Nashville scene certainly is. And the reason for that is people who like full color and slick magazines have money. And the people who have money like a certain type of product. And the people who advertise a certain type of product don't want that edge that you used to see in these alternative weeklies. And I think the same thing is happening to podcast movement. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just telling you that it is different. These events cost a lot of money to produce. So I can't fault a guy, if you're running a conference, for going for the big money. You want to make the thing happen again and again and again. You can still serve the independent podcasters, but you're bringing in a different audience to pay for it. Anyway, that's the difference. PodFest, it's a little bit looser, a little bit faster, a little bit more of an ear to the ground when it comes to independent podcasters. Podcast movement, that's where you're going to see Westwood One. Podcast One, some of the bigger podcasting companies. If podcast conferences were Nirvana albums, PodFest is like Bleach. Podcast Movement is like In Utero. And if you don't get that reference, Google it. Here's another question I get. If I could only attend one, which one should I go to? And the answer is, that depends. I think PodFest is a bit more approachable for most people. If you're somebody who's just discovered podcasting, you're on Facebook, you're wondering, what kind of mic should I get? 60 buck mic. You think, oh, that sounds like a lot of money. Well, PodFest is going to be better for you. People there, they're much more likely to talk to you. Podcast movement, again, it's bigger, easier to get lost. The crowds are different. Let's get to the review. Something PodFest did this year that I think worked, and it worked well, was specialty conferences before the main event started. There was one for videos, there was one for podcast editors, one for fiction podcasts, one for military influencers. There were five or six of them. And I think this was great, especially having it before the main conference, because you could find your people. For example, if you're a podcast editor, or you want to be, because this was on the business of podcast editing. It was done by Steve Stewart, You may know him from the Podcast Editors Group on Facebook, Mark Deal from the Atlanta Podcaster Meetup. If you were a podcast editor or you want to be a podcast editor, you would find your people there. You're in a little room or or smaller room. There might have been 100 people there. I don't know. 
You're much more likely to find your people there, be able to connect with somebody. And when the big event starts and you're walking around and you're overwhelmed, you see the people that you know from that specialty conference earlier, you feel like you've got a connection. And maybe that person can introduce you to who he's talking to or who she's talking to. So you've got that instant connection. You're going to have a much better event at the big conference. So I love that. I think that was really smart from a marketing aspect. Chris Kermitzos, he basically shared his crowd with these smaller events, but he had each of these smaller events going out and marketing his big event. So that brought in more people for everybody and it made the events better than they would have been without each other. For me, the event started on a 6 a.m. flight from Nashville to Orlando on Spirit Airlines. And I'd never flown Spirit. I'd heard the stories. It was the only direct flight that could get me to Orlando, so I took a punt. And if you're not familiar with Spirit, let me tell you how it works. You pay for everything, literally. You can't check in without paying. If you go talk to one of the Spirit employees and you check in that way, They're going to charge you for that. If you want to take a bag with you, carry on or check in, you're going to pay for that. You want some peanuts? You're going to pay for that. You want a certain seat? You're paying for that seat. I don't think I have ever been in an airplane that is that cramped. But because you pay for everything, I had that opportunity to get an exit row because there is no first class on Spirit. And that was great for me. I'm six foot three. I'd only gotten three hours of sleep. So I was thinking, you know, I'll be able to sleep on the way down. This will be great. Didn't happen though, because spirit seats do not recline. Is that to keep people from fighting? No, it's to save money. Non-reclining seats weigh less. That's what the flight attendant told me. They can also cram more people in there because of it. Anyway, made it to Orlando. The hotel was nice, maybe a little too nice. Last year, the hotel was a little gritty. And I like that. I like the independent spirit of podcasting. And that's one of the things that I hope we'll see more of in the upcoming year when it comes to these live events, especially now that we've got coronavirus happening. And I'm going to get into that in just a minute because coronavirus did affect the PodFest event. We were on the beginning edge of it before everything had been shut down. I was down there and I heard about South by Southwest shutting down and people were like, well, is that a good decision? I don't know. Now, obviously... It turned out to be the right decision, but we didn't know it at the time. Anyway, I think what's going to happen with podcasting events is we're going to see these smaller events, perhaps these specialty conferences, like the ones that were at PodFest, the Editor's Conference, the nonfiction podcast. We're going to see events like that. There are going to be fewer people there because of the economics of them, fewer sponsors. We won't see these big fancy hotels for these events so much, maybe meeting centers, Who knows? Maybe somebody rent an Airbnb and just cram a bunch of people in a house. And I like that. I think that's good for people to really get connected with each other. Overall, I think that's going to be a very good thing. So if you're wondering about where podcasting events are going to go in the upcoming year, now that we're dealing with coronavirus, I don't think this is going to be forever. I just don't know what's going to happen to the large events here in Nashville, all these bachelorette parties. We got these things all over my neighborhood, man. These guys will cram 15, 20 girls in these places and it gets crazy. Maybe we could do that with podcasters. Chris had about 1,800 people registered from what I understand. I think because of coronavirus and traveling, people were a little bit nervous. I didn't mention this, but there were people with masks on the plane and this was way on the front end of this coronavirus thing and people are getting on the plane and they're, I don't know, maybe they were sick. Maybe they're just out of the hospital or something, but I didn't know if they were sick or they were trying not to get sick. 
kind of made people nervous. And at the hotel, in the airport, all sorts of hand sanitizer. They're telling people to wash your hands. And Chris, he did something that was really smart. He had a sticker that you would put on your pass, your registration for the event. And it didn't say anything. It was just a green sticker. And it meant, don't touch me. Don't hug me. Don't shake my hand. I'm trying to stay clear of this coronavirus thing. Pretty good crowd, even without all the worries. Let's say it was a thousand people. I don't know. Maybe it was more. But enough people for you to go there and not be able to see the people you wanted to see because you simply didn't run into them. That's how big this event was. And I thought it was great. I thought the crowd was great. I went to a few speakers. I had my own presentation that I gave in addition to the book signing. One of the things that I think is unique about PodFest, because it is in the same city every single year, it attracts a lot of the same people every year. It was really tough for me to get to presentations because I kept running into people that I had seen from the previous two years that I had been there. Also, a lot of people that I knew in the podcasting business. Also, because I had those events like the book signing and the specialty conferences at the beginning, a lot of people that I had just met. So if you're looking to connect, I think PodFest is an excellent way to do that. And you can connect to them in a great way, in a personal, human way. In person, get to see them, hang out with them, eat with them, see them from a different perspective than looking at your computer, maybe a Facebook group or something, or listening to their podcast. A ton of passionate people. It's one of the things that I like about PodFest. Sometimes you'll go to a corporate event, And I think South by Southwest was this way after a while for me. I've probably been down there 15 times. I started going in the late 90s. And this is when I was heavily involved in the music industry. And really when South by Southwest was a music industry event, it started out only as music. They added eventually a film festival. Then they added what they called interactive. And I think when people say South by Southwest now, they think about the interactive portion of it. But initially it was only music. And it had that grit. You know, South by Southwest, they started in a hotel and then they eventually moved into the convention center and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And now it's huge. When they canceled the South by Southwest event, the number I heard, and this is unbelievable, but you're talking about 400,000 people being affected. And that includes club shows and that includes a couple of weeks of events, but it's $1.6 billion. That is the money that it brought in to the Austin economy. And we have an event like that Just the economics of it. You're talking about these fancy hotels and you're talking about big passes. I I think at the time, I haven't been to South by Southwest for a few years, but it was, I don't know, six or $700 to go for a music pass if you weren't speaking. Then the interactive, and then when you go for the the full Monty, when you want to go for all of these things, it could be over $1,000. And you've got a lot of these corporate people that are there on the company dime, and they really don't want to be there. One of the things that you see about PodFest is Again, it's not that corporate crowd. It's the independent crowd. So everybody wants to be there. Well, not everybody. (laughs) Most people. The majority of the people, 90-something percent of them at least, want to be there. It's not like going to an insurance seminar or something where some people are super enthusiastic and some people are like, oh, God, please kill me. Get me out of this industry. People in podcasting, even the corporate guys for the most part, they are there because they want to be. And as a side note, let me get back to Chris Kremitzos for a second. I mentioned him having these individual conferences for whatever your specialty is before the main event. He's super big on community. And one of the guys that I always see there, I mentioned seeing the same people, Jonathan Oaks. He has this thing called Trivial Warfare. He organized what was basically a pub quiz, but for PodFest attendees. Jonathan couldn't make it. 
but a guy named Chris Hollister, he works with Jonathan. He did a great job hosting this thing live. We had all these attendees in the same room. And this is what I'm talking about when it comes to really building connection. You're going to get something that's in person, unlike the online networking that we do in podcasting groups. But you're also going to get something that's interactive, unlike listening to somebody's podcast. So what Chris did, he had this huge ballroom. Attendees got into teams of about eight people. And about 15 questions later, the team that won it, they were called Suck It, Trebek. And that was my team. So definitely a fun way to connect with people like those individual events. I saw the guys on my team throughout the event. I've kept in touch with them after the fact. It was great. We all got VIP tickets for next year. So we'll see each other again then. So when I say content, I'm not talking about just the presentations. I'm talking about things like this trivia night, like all the other big events that Chris had throughout the several days that PodFest was going on. The sessions well attended. I had a great crowd for the one that I did, talking about working with celebrity guests and their handlers. The speakers, they were accessible. You could walk up to people, had some great conversations. Overall, everybody seemed glad to be there. The big draw, and this is one of the reasons that I went there. I didn't go to do the book signing. I did not go to get in front of a big crowd and speak. In fact, the last big crowd that I'd spoken to, and you've heard me talk about this if you listened to the podcast before, had a panic attack on stage. I didn't know how this thing was going to work out. <laughs> the big draw for me was getting to see the people. And that was worth the risk of me having to get on stage and possibly flipping out. Anyway, everybody was happy to be there. The quality of the attendees was very high. There were people of all levels, not just the USB mic kind of guys, but the people who were using all sorts of equipment to make their voice sound big, boomy, and professional. I think it's good for beginners. I think it's good that you can learn from the advanced people that are there. I think it's good that you can connect with people in a social setting, such as things like trivia. They had all sorts of different restaurants on the property. You could connect with people in different ways. Again, I think it's good for the beginners because they can see the advanced people, but it's also great for the advanced people because there are a lot of beginners there and it really connects you with why you got into podcasting in the first place. The trade show was excellent. There were about 50 exhibitors there. It was big, but not so large that it was intimidating. Sometimes a show like NAB, even South by Southwest, you go into a huge hall and there are hundreds and hundreds, even thousands and thousands of exhibitors. This one was great because you could go around to everybody who was exhibiting and walk out, not only knowing new people, but having an idea of what's happening in podcasting and where podcasting is going. A good mix of indie and corporate companies. And I love that. I think it's a good way to get a feel for what's happening on all levels. And if you want to be a successful podcaster, whether you're corporate or whether you're an upcoming indie, you need to know what the other guys are doing so we're not silos and you don't get left behind when something changes. Because the world has changed a lot in the last couple of weeks, I've had a lot of people ask me, how did coronavirus affect PodFest? As I mentioned earlier, PodFest was right before everybody and his brother started canceling things. I mentioned on the last episode of this podcast, I've had three events cancel on me in the last week. And I mentioned on this podcast, people on the planes wearing masks, sanitizer, foam for your hands everywhere, attendees opting out of handshakes. Most didn't, by the way. But things changed. The information that we had coming from the top down, oh, it's just a hoax, just like the flu. People didn't know what was going on. I think you would see a much different situation now that we know the truth about what is really happening. Overall, I've been a lot of great people still following up with them now. That's how many people that I met. Will I be back? 
Yes, not only because I won the pass at Trivia, but because it's a great event. It's a great way to connect with people. I also think it's important for us as podcasters, especially independent podcasters, we need to support other independent events. It is a lot of work and a lot of money to do these events. Let's support the people who support us. And that's not to say that this is a charity. It is definitely not a charity. This is something that you're going to get a lot of value from. But we really should support the people who support us. The independents make podcasting what it is. So let's treat each other right, get together when we can, and build this community where we can make something even greater than it already is. And just for the record, I would even fly Spirit Airlines again, not just for this event, but for any event, eh, you know, within a couple hours. I don't think I'd do it cross-country. You're not going to see me going to L.A. It's way too cramped for that. Maybe if I could get the XRO. But I like the fact that you pay just for what you need. I'm a guy because of the business travel that I do, and I don't want my luggage to get lost, and I just don't want to wait around an airport. I like to carry on. And it's super easy for me to fly on something like Spirit because people don't want to pay for the carry-ons and I don't have to deal with some guy and his 8,000 kids going to Disneyland and he takes up all the overhead space. I get on, I get the seat I want, I get the overhead space that I paid for and it's easy, even without the reclining. If you've got questions or comments, reach out to me. Bigpodcast.com is the website. And if you are not subscribed to this podcast, build a big podcast. I have this one and some other podcasts on podcast marketing for you at bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. If I can help you in any way, let me know. Reach out to me, bigpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening to me. And I'll see you on the next episode of Build a Big Podcast.